On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss the top 10 ways a narcissistic abuser will confuse you into thinking you're the narcissist. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everybody. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to talk about the question that a lot of people always ask themselves, am I the narcissist? And it's always a big question while you're in the relationship and especially when you're out of the relationship that people have these uh, feelings that they might be the one who was uh, the problem in the relationship. And it's because of a lot of the crazy making that was going on. But before we get to all of this stuff, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button. You can read all of the instructions there of what to send us. Fill out our Guest Form page, press the Submit button, or send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. And when we talk about Am I the Narcissist? The abuser in the situation wants three things, really. Either for you to feel shame, feel guilt, or have doubt. And whenever any of those three things are involved, you might not be able to look at the situation in a normal way, normal meaning um, with clarity, if that makes sense. So... Um, let's just discuss shame and guilt right off the bat here and the difference between the two. So guilt is a feeling you get when you did something wrong or perceived you did something wrong. And shame is a feeling that your whole self is wrong. And when it comes to guilt, uh, guilt has you apologize, attempt to repair things, and and you feel compassion for others. And when it comes to shame, shame has you internally feeling like you have more, uh, a lower self-esteem about yourself, if that makes sense. Now I'm kind of rambling. But uh, then there is also doubt. And... Doubt can throw a wrench into so many things when talking about him. Am I the abuser? Um, am, am I not? And doubt can be in combination with uh, shame and guilt uh, in some of these situations. And doubt is there to make you feel like you're going crazy. It's the gaslighting uh, of everything. So I hope that kind of explains... Um, those three things, just because the, I guess, tactics that we're about to discuss um, all involve at least one of those things. 
So the first one we have on our list is the hero savior. And the hero savior is when a narcissistic abuser creates a situation where they can be the hero and save the day, but they are the ones that created the problem in the first place. And it is very confusing in that sense. But there can also be situations where someone comes in and they rescue a situation that wasn't created as well. And that will happen early on in the relationship and can be held over your head. I remember we've had episodes um, before. um, I can't remember the name specifically off the top of my head, but the person was helped in the sense of they had uh, an alcohol addiction and this other person came in and helped them actually um, wean themselves out of addiction and an alcohol issue. And that can be held over your head. So they've come in as this hero in spots before the abuse begins. And that is really confusing. Um, And that creates doubt and a huge amount of doubt. And it also brings up guilt here as well. I mean, you feel guilty that you're now getting upset um, at this person that helped you in probably a really big way. And that doubt and that guilt um, might really carry you a long way as feeling that like, am I the narcissist in, in this sense where when you're not, because if you look at the actual patterns of uh, abuse that have occurred after the fact, and then you look at these things that are done. Yeah, the, something like this could be major in the sense of what type of help it is. But in the long run, when you look at the patterns of abuse and how someone is not fixing those things when you bring them up, that's the abusive person. So don't think that you are a bad person or you might be the abusive person or you might be a narcissist um, because of something like this in the, in the hero savior dynamic. And that's why sometimes I really don't like the word narcissist over the term abuser. And, and that's because the word narcissist itself can be manipulated. Um, You know, when you sub sub in the word abuser, it has a completely different meaning to me, at least, you know, because the, the word narcissist has so many different meanings and you can say, and we'll, we'll hark back on that, but it in itself can, because um, we'll get into it a little bit later on some other ones, but I mean, the word narcissist can mean selfish, um, you know, the way it's, Different people have different uh, definitions, and the definition of narcissist over time amongst everyone has has, um, become a little bit different. So when you sub in the word abuser, which I hope everyone will will do that, um, it presents a a different meaning, and I think you should maybe look at it in those terms um, in that sense so you can really define both of those things and say, Okay, I am I am not an abuser. So that would be the first one on our list, the hero savior. Um is when it is self-defense. This is where I guess kernels of truth 
can really come into play here. So you could be nitpicked at, you could be uh, yelled at, you could be anything to get a rise out of you for you to, to yell back. Or if they put your hands on you, you might put your hands on them back. Sometimes, um, you know, you might rip a door off the wall because they're just getting at you and getting at you and you might re- you might react and you might do things in self-defense that you may never have ever, ever done, but you've been pushed to these limits and you then feel shame about it when it happens. Um, this is where shame can come in really big time um, because you're not someone who hits anyone. You're not someone who is a yeller. Um, you're not someone that, that does these things that this person is pushed you to this type of edge and then they'll point it out um they'll make it look like um you have this problem and they'll start to create the the doubt and then you have the shame of everything here you have the doubt of everything here and that's a real big spiral to go down and you know there's a difference between uh abuse and then uh, self-defense and so many people um, act in self-defense, and that's part of a problem when they start to think, am I the abuser? Um, did they really um, uh, get a, like, try to get a rise out of me? Did I make that up in my head? And these are the things that they'll try to really instill in you that you are the abuser, so you believe it, but you're not. You act in, in, in self-defense, and this is just... You know, another way for you to realize that you are are not the narcissist in this situation. You are not the abuser. You are acting in self-defense. And, you know, sometimes that can be, look different for people. It's not, um, when you're in a relationship for so long uh, with someone who's abusive towards you, sometimes it can only take a little thing to set you off. And those can be looks. And I know a lot of people are being like, well, it's only a look, but you know what looks mean. Sometimes they're so subtle, but those looks, um, can throw a thousand daggers at you. And, um, when you've been in a long term abusive situation, reacting or, Yelling is self-defense for those little things is very subtle to the outside world. But for you, you know what it is. And um, just a reminder that it's not you um, and it's it's self-defense and you are not the narcissist or abuser, whichever term you want to use. So next up on our list, we have... Uh, smear campaigns and smear campaigns is a tricky one and there's smear campaigns and speaking out so sometimes the person might think to themselves well am i doing a smear campaign the the victim or the survivors saying that am i am i doing a smear campaign maybe i am the abuser if i'm talking about this but there's a little bit of a difference it's really nuanced i would say and you know because People do speak out, and the, but there's a, a difference. When, when people are, are speaking out, um, they are doing it in a way to tell their story and to rehash their story, to start making sense 
of their story as well. Uh, you've been through trauma and you're talking about it really for the most part for the first time and you're understanding it more. You're putting pieces together while you do it. And, um, in, in, and I guess a big difference of that with, with smear campaigning and what a smear campaign really will do is, um, a sphere campaign will involve half truths, full out lies, and there will be a level of uh, denial and like a lack of awareness about uh, their own behavior. So, an abuser might claim something that their wife is manipulative, and you won't let him see the kids, and that there's nothing more than a greedy, gold digging type of person who sleeps around. And all these things aren't true. So when you're talking about, um, am I running a smear campaign or am I, or am I speaking out? Start thinking to yourself, is everything I am saying is true? And if everything you are saying is true, then you're speaking out. You know, if you're making up things and you're and you're able to not be self-deceptive and and be like hey i'm making up a lot of stories here not everything i am saying here is true then then that's a smear campaign but if you had that type of awareness then um you wouldn't be the abuser maybe to begin with so if you're Thinking to yourself, am I the narcissist with this type of situation where you might think that, um, I, am I smearing someone? If everything you're saying is true, then you are speaking out and you're just trying to get a hold of your own story. And I think that is very important. So try not to feel any shame or guilt about that. And then once again, you are not the narcissist in this situation or the abuser. So up next, we have uh, the silent treatment which is a big one. And there's a difference between the silent treatment and taking time for yourself. So this is one where an abuser will really use against you because this is on the list of tactics they would use. So it's an easy one for them to say, you've used the silent treatment against me when all you want is to is the need for time for yourself. And there's a big difference. And this is one way in which they make you think that you are the abuser. And in the aftermath, you might think that you are the abuser because you can actually uh, hark back to this kernel of truth right here and say, yeah, I, I, I did that. But there's there's a difference between taking time for yourself and the silent treatment. So... The silent treatment is a form of a verbal abuse. Silent treatment involves withholding communication, affection, attention from a person with the intent to punish them for acting a certain way. And it grooms them to never act that way again. So then taking time for yourself would be when a person gets upset and needs their space. So usually what happens here is when an abuser has probably done something for the gajillionth time and you need your space. It may seem similar to the silent treatment 
that one person is upset and doesn't want to talk to the other. But the, the, but the desire to not talk isn't to punish the other person. It's either an effort to stop the fighting that is going on, or it's to collect their thoughts so you don't say anything that you'll regret later. And when you're in these moments, um, uh, you know, taking time involves uh, open, honest, sincere um, communication. You want to come to real uh, rational solutions. Um, and you want to let the other person know that you plan on reopening communication in a specific amount of time. Um, so the person's not twisting in, in the wind. And there's you know, care involved here. Uh, there's open communication. Um, and you're trying to let the other person know exactly uh, your needs and uh, to have this type of expectation of what is going on. So it's two completely different ways of looking at it. One is to punish, which the silent treatment is. And then taking time for yourself is done for you to collect yourself, for you to think about what has happened, to come up with answers and solutions. And so you can go back and properly communicate. Um, and it's done with care. It's done with the other person's feelings in mind. So if you're being told that you have used the silent treatment on someone, hark back to these two things because you are not the narcissist in this situation. You are taking time for yourself. And you were doing the right thing, the good thing. You're a good person. And, and always uh, remember that in, in these types of situations. So that's another one we have on our list. And up next, we have being selfish versus self-care. And this one is a really interesting one because I'm sure... You hear a lot of times in your relationships that you were a selfish person. And we have to kind of make a distinction here between what is selfish and what is self-care. So the key differentiations between self-care and selfishness. Self-care is about taking care of your own feelings so you do not project them onto others. And selfishness is having a me, me, me mentality in which a person consistently only thinks of their own needs and wants with little of any consideration for others and their needs. So in this instance, a lot of the time, and I'm going to bring back the, the term narcissist here versus pattern of abuse and why I don't like the term um narcissist even though the show is called narcissist apocalypse but there have been so many different meanings of the word now from narcissistic personality disorder and that having its specific uh, definition to people saying the word narcissist and saying they're grandiose but i think for the most part someone will say that the actual definition um, of narcissist that m most people will think of in the most simplest form and the noun form of it is a narcissist referring to someone who is intensely concerned with their own self or interest who seems to forget that 
the other person exists. Uh, someone who is excessively self-centered. So when it comes to self-care and selfishness, uh, a lot of the time an abuser or the narcissist in this situation will point out to you that, hey, you're the narcissist. will get you to start thinking uh, that you're actually the narcissist. They might say it out loud, which will cause confusion for you to think that you are because in reality, you are just taking care of yourself. You're doing self-care type things for yourself. You are taking care of your own feelings so you do not project them onto others. Um, You are taking care of yourself so you can be the best version of yourself for other people. You're not being selfish. You're actually doing it to help uh, the situation. So when you come back to a situation, you are there, you are present, um, you are able to be replenished, to deal with things. You, you can get more clarity from, from self-care. And that that is kind of the big difference. You're going in it to make a situation better overall or to improve things where selfish selfishness has nothing to do with that. And so when someone points out that uh, you are selfish or they're saying that you are the narcissist. Uh, this is a point for you to hark back and say to yourself, no, I, I was not being selfish. Uh, I was acting in self-care and these are the reasons why it was self-care. It was because I was doing it for the benefit of everyone. And I was doing it for the benefit of the person who's even calling me the narcissist in this situation. And I'm just trying to make my life better, their life better, improve communication, improve everything. So that's the way I think is the best way to look at it and for you to distinguish, to say to yourself, like, no, like, here's a checkbox right here. I was doing this for self-care. I'm not the narcissist. I'm not selfish. Um, And now... Everyone, my transition there was terrible, but now next up on our list of am I the narcissist or not is snooping. And this one comes up a lot when it has to do with uh, infidelity in within the relationship where you have your gut feeling and you know something is wrong. You know something's going on. You just do. That's what your gut feeling is there for. We always say your gut feeling is there. Sometimes they overwhelm you, so your gut feeling disappears. But your gut feeling is always there. And in these occasions, they pop up and they say, hey, something is going on. And when you do end up snooping and you find what you're looking for, and even if you don't find what you're looking for, but when you find what you're looking for, the proof that you are like of the situation that someone is cheating that they're having an emotional affair or things along those lines there's a kernel of truth in this one when you confront someone when you can when you confront the abuser about uh what you found and they might turn it around on you and say well why are you snooping you're a bad person you snooped they try to reverse it on you and depending on where you are in, in, in the cycle or how far deep you are into the relationship and how much you're believing the lies that you're told in the gaslighting, 
this one can bring up a lot of different things. One, it creates doubt. You know, it takes the, the focus off the other person, but it starts creating kind of doubt of what your intentions are. And those intentions might be turned around on you that you're a jealous person. Um, and to, to make you think that maybe I am a jealous, maybe that's what's going on. Maybe the thing that I found isn't as bad as it seems. Um, so it creates doubt in, in that way. And it creates shame as I'm a bad person. I snooped. I'm terrible. I'm, 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 I'm everything that they're telling me I am. And then there's guilt, and the guilt is that you didn't trust this person, and you feel bad that you didn't trust them, and that maybe they should be trustworthy because they were so good at flipping things around. And that snooping can stick with you, and in, especially in these situations, it can make you feel like you are um, a question, am I the narcissist in this situation? And the reality is, is you're not, and you know something's going on, and for the most part, you're able to prove it when the snooping does occur. Sometimes you can't find anything, but for the most part, when, when you do get those gut feelings and you know something is going on, um, it's not jealousy. They might try to make you think it's jealousy or things along those lines, but it's not. You know something is wrong. And up next on our list is nitpicking and nitpicking is is interesting because you get nitpicked by an abuser and then at the same time they might accuse you of nitpicking them so uh, nitpicking means you're giving attention to little details trivial issues irrelevant things in relationship, and sorry, in relationships, um, it's often done condescendingly, annoyingly. It involves one partner finding fault with the other person and blaming them for trivial issues they can otherwise overlook. So the person that complains about these things is being the nitpicker, and maybe you are asking something of the abuser. Maybe you're asking for help. Maybe you're saying something out of frustration. Maybe you're living with the type of abuser who lacks any sort of responsibility at all, and you feel like you have a teenager living with you who's not cleaning the room, who's not pulling their weight. So it can look like nitpicking, but it's not nitpicking. You know, nitpicking are these small little things. Um, for the most part, what you're doing is you're asking for help. You know, you're, you're looking to have an even Steven partner with what is going on in your relationship, whether it be taking care of the house, whether it be taking care of the children. You're looking for someone who's emotionally mature and understands that everything is a partnership. And that just like in, you know, when they say in codependency, that things kind of get out of whack. Like if you're acting over, if you're overdoing something, you're underdoing something, you know, that's where you can find trouble in codependency. And with, and with this, um, 
when you're asking for help or, or things along those lines, you're just asking for someone to pull their weight and they might call you like you might, they might say that you're nitpicking them, but you're not, you know, it's not these little trivial things. You're asking for real life help here. And then there are situations where, you know, something might be said out of frustration. Um, and a lot of the times you might hear, uh, when, these things happen is like you're not letting me be me you know uh for the most part they're not letting you be you by this point of the relationship but you might hear stop trying to change me or you're not letting me be myself well their self isn't someone who's pulling their weight their self isn't someone who sees you as an equal um or as someone who's their piggy bank um, or their emotional whipping um, post. So, you know, when these frustrations do come out, it's it's not nitpicking. Most of the time, it's just asking for respect, really. And um, that's, I think, a really big disti- distinction for everybody. Whereas whatever you're going to be doing... Um, or what they're saying is nitpicking on on their end, or how you're doing it to them, you're just looking for respect, a mutual respect, a fifty-fifty, you know, partnership, and just respect in everything you do. Where their nitpicking has nothing to do with that. Their nitpicking is just to put you down, to devalue you, to cause problems over nothing. And I think that's a really big distinction for people to know that if they get, if you get accused of that, uh, if you get accused of nitpicking to try and figure out like, am I asking just to be respected? And um, nitpicking has nothing to do with respect at all. So you're just asking for help and Sometimes it might come off looking like nitpicking if there's a frustration comment, but you're really just asking for uh, respect. And then another one we have here, where were you? And I think you may have, you know, used these words to your abuser before, and they've used those words on on you before. And when they use those words on you, this is all one is all about control. And they want to control your movements. They want to control where you are, who you're with, things along those lines. But when they reverse that on you, where you're asking, where were you? A lot of the times when you're asking, where were you? It's because they've gone missing. Um, you know, you have that gut feeling that they could be cheating or they're just lacking responsibility. Yours is more about concern, real concern. There's a lot of the time is masked as concern. So when you're asking where you were, they could have gone silent. They could have done the silent treatment. You have no idea what's going on. Uh, they've turned their phone off. They'll come up with some sort of excuse, things like that, uh, of, of where they've been. Um, and uh, this is one where they will 
then say that you're trying to control me or you're being controlling. They'll reverse it on you. They'll make you think that you are actually the controlling person in this situation when you're not the controlling person. So the big distinction here is their form of where were you is done to control you under the guise a lot of the times of concern. And your where were you's are done actually out of concern. You're not trying to control where they are. You're not trying to control their movements. You just know that something is wrong or you're generally concerned that something is wrong uh, or that something has happened to them, that they might have gotten to an accident, things along those lines. And you're really showing genuine, true concern. And when you um, are given this question and if they bring this up as a way to say, hey, you're trying to control me, here's a re- this is a really good way to distinguish um, the reality of this situation. So in the self-care area, we discuss the term narcissist and how that can be used against you. But I guess one other thing is when you're the one that's told that you're abusive, when they actually use the word abusive. And we've already distinguished some ways or we've already brought up some ways for you to distinguish uh, some of the things they might use against you as being abusive, that they can reverse on you, that they can use kernels of truth to um, implant these beliefs that you are the narcissist in the situation when you really are not. And hopefully um, our explanation of how to distinguish those are, are helpful. But there still might be moments where they're, calling you abusive as a whole. Um, And they might point those things out and you might believe those things and not listen to like those distinctions. So when it comes to that, uh, try and think of a list of not just those things, but a, a bigger list, go down the big list, start checking off boxes of, things that they told you you do, but then also check off the boxes of the things that they do. And we'll just go down a list here in the, in the emotional abuse, like putting the other person down, making the other person feel bad about themselves, calling the other person names, making the other person think that they are crazy, playing mind games, gaslighting, humiliating the other person, making the other person feel guilty. Uh, Treating the other person like a servant, making all of the big decisions, acting like they're they're the master of the castle, being the one who determines everyone's roles, uh, preventing someone from getting or keeping a job, making the other person ask for money, giving someone an allowance, taking someone else's money not letting the other person know about or have access to family income. And then we have carrying out threats to do something, hurting the other person, threatening to leave the other person, to commit suicide, to report the other person to welfare, making the other person drop charges, making someone do illegal things. We have also here making the other person afraid by using looks, gestures, actions, 
smashing things, abusing pets, displaying weapons, uh, making the other person feel guilty about the children, using the children as relay messages, using visitation to harass the other person, threatening to take the children away. There's isolation tactics like controlling what another person does, who they see and talk to, what they read, where they go. They limit their outside movement. They use jealousy to justify actions. They can make light of the abuse and not take the other person's concerns at all into, into the situation. They don't take it seriously. They can say that the abuse never happened. They shift responsibility of their abusive behavior. They can say the other person caused this abuse to happen. They minimize, they deny, they justify, they blame. And this is just a small amount of things that can be on your list. And you can have a, a giant list and just make sure you check off those boxes. Check them off. Even check off the ones that they say that you're doing and then go through just how we showed you today to prove to yourself that that's not what you're actually doing. But you're going to see how many boxes they check off on their side. And that's how you know who the abuser is. That's how you know who is abusive. Because on your list, there's not going to be very many of these things on there, if any, at all. Or if there are, it's because they've convinced you that you are that way, but you're not. So that's something that they'll throw against you uh, for, for being an abuser, which makes you think that you are the abuser, but you are not. You are not the narcissist in this situation. And I hope uh, this episode has helped a lot of you, uh, you know, trying to feel less crazy, whether you're in the relationship or whether you're out of the relationship, there are different parts to all of it and it's crazy making and, and you've been made to believe a lot of things that are not true. And it takes a long time to, you know, chip away, uh, at the identity that, um, these people have helped you believe or, manipulated you into believing and none of it is true and just you know this episode was about you know taking care of yourself and understanding that it was not you and even though they tried to convince you as best they could but you made it you're here and you're listening to this episode and hopefully um we helped you a lot today so uh thank you for listening and if you want to be a guest on our show, on our Survivor Story shows, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page. There's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page where you have all these instructions. Please read all the instructions and then either fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button or send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at, narcissist, at, at gmail.com. And also at our website, we have our very own safe social network. So if you need support, please click on the support group button. And there you can access our forum boards. You can come to our Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, Saturday night, and Thursday afternoon. 
and we have episodes that never made it to air. We have ad-free episodes. And if you really just want to support our show because we can get, we need all the support we can get. Um, we're busy over here. Um, so please do uh, join our support group. And if you need even more support, please do go visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. So if you or someone you know are experiencing abuse, domesticshelters.org has uh, articles and resources that can help you understand what's going on uh, with your situation. They can connect you with uh, shelters uh, as well. And it's just a great free resource. So please do visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. And that is it. So from myself, because I was the only one here today, and myself, we hope you have a good night.